0: Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Bill Wilson on A New Normal Will Require creation. Now, here is Pastor Bill. Uh, $20 to the person who can figure out what they're saying. <laughs> Don't make it up either. <laughs> hey, Joshua chapter 3, thank you so much for the honor. Joy is not here this morning. So uh, she is with our girls in Arizona. They had a girls' weekend to celebrate a very special birthday for Kimberly, who was born here in Portland. And uh, they also got to see our grandson, and he goes to the university there in Arizona. So thanks so much for the kindness of these young children, and they are the church now. Uh, Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning in our series, A New Normal. I want to thank you for your prayers. This last week, we had nearly 300 pastors from all over the state gather in Central Oregon, and we had a, uh, what we call intermission, and God met us in a powerful way. Many of the staff members were here that are here were there, and uh, they can uh, testify that it was a great time away, and God really met us in a, a very powerful way. Uh, I'd like to encourage you to be in prayer with your board, they have another very important conversation this week with a potential pastoral candidate. That's part of the process, that conversation. And uh, I would just say a special prayer, especially on Thursday, if you will, as the board meets with this potential candidate. So we're in this adventure called a new normal. And uh, what does it require of us to step into a new season in our lives? and to see what God wants to do personally as well as collectively. And we are uh, drawing from classic lines in the book of Joshua, this uh, historic book that has uh, a lot to say to us about life. Although it is a narrative about specific people and a specific place in history, I want to suggest to you that it also provides for you and I a pattern for life in dealing with the new adventures God brings our way, and also revelation about who God is and how he works in our lives today. So some people read the Bible like just a history book, and in fact, if you want to go to the local university, they'll probably have a, a, a class on, on the Bible from a historic uh, position. But I'm here to tell you this morning as you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will illuminate it to you so that you will understand what the message is. What are the principles? What, what is the application to my life? And if you're like me, and I, there are many times when I'm sitting right where you are thinking, how long is this guy going to preach? How much longer until he wrap it up, get, get to the point uh, kind of thing? How many of you have never done that in your life? Good. All of you are honest. That's good. <laughs> this book is about transition. Listen to me. This book is a, about obedience. This book is about the miracles of God that he works when things seem like there's no way that it could work. This book really will help you and me understand the blessing of God and how I can be a recipient of the blessing of God. My friend John Lindell talks about the fact that this book is like moving from in between to what you've never experienced before or going to the place you've never been. And some of us get caught, especially in the culture today, and especially in the last uh, 18 to 19 months. We're kind of caught in between what used to be and what the future looks like. And I wonder what God wants to do in his church in these what would be considered trouble times or what many of us consider the last times of life as we know it, in light of what the scripture says. So we're moving from that in between where we're kind of stuck and moving into what God intends to us. And one thing we've discovered is a new normal is going to require of you and I courage to take that step. You and I are going to have to live a life out of courage. And we're also today, I'd like to talk about a word that isn't used often. It's called consecration. It requires of us consecration. I look at verse number 5 of chapter 3 of Joshua. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up. I'm going to encourage everybody under the age of 40 to actually buy a printed Bible and start reading a printed Bible. And in fact, if you read a printed Bible for 10 minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, at least four days a week, you will find your life discovers new dimensions and new experiences you never thought possible. It may help you. It may help you be more steady. It may help you to be more honest may help you to get a raise. Now you're going to read it for sure, I'm sure. So think about that. Joshua 3.5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Would you read that out loud with me? Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. If that was the only line... You ever read in the Bible, if that was the only line you ever memorized, that in itself would be a huge help to the way we live and how we face our future. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. One day I realized I didn't have a shovel, and I decided I better get one. After all, every great pastor has a shovel, right? Every real man has a shovel. And I was sure I needed one. So I went to one of the big box stores, and I walked the aisles, and I'm not in construction, but I figured that there's got to be the right shovel you should get. And so I looked around, and I found what I thought was the perfect shovel. The reason I thought it was perfect is because it was less expensive than the expensive one. And I figured that that was good for me. When I bought this shovel, I had no idea on that day what this shovel would represent. I never really thought about it. I just needed a shovel, so I bought one. I never knew the story that this shovel would create. I never knew the bond that we would have uh, together over all these years. I, I never realized that every time I see this shovel, something comes to my mind that I can't forget. This shovel became a good friend And it has a remarkable story. And I will never forget what that story is. However, I just recognize that this shovel today represents a new normal. A new normal. A new normal. And God has selected Joshua to lead people into a new normal. A new generation that has come up. They've been in the wilderness and they're about ready to go into the promised land and we're in a time in our history your history my history that we have to think about making adjustments and uh, adapt to new ways of doing things we need to recognize that we are on an adventure together in the life of a local church we need to be aware that God is calling us to something and we need to ask ourselves I wonder what the next thing God wants to do in and through my life I wonder what God wants to do in our church Uh, there have been great days and this is a great day for the church and by the way if this is your first Sunday welcome you're stepping into a church that is in the process of stepping into a new normal these are exciting moments you're in the foundation of a new season you're the beginning of a new chapter and each of us who've been here perhaps for much longer, I heard that I've spent half of my adult life here. Uh, that's uh, quite a, a statement. I hadn't thought much about that, but uh, that's a, that's a, how many of you think it's a long time? It's a long time. Let's pick up the narrative. Verse 1. This is the adventure continues as we move from chapters 1, and we're moving right through chapter 2. It's a great story there. You can read that on your own in chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out to Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. This is what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. When you see the Ark of the Covenant... When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your position and follow it. So the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, the power of God, and the promises of God and the plan of God are all represented in the Ark. It, it was a, a wooden chest covered completely in gold and it contained the two tablets that Moses received called the Ten Commandments, that we refer to as the Ten Commandments. The guidelines for social and spiritual order in your life. They're in there. But this, this Ark represented the presence of God, and this was before a, a, a massive temple was built, and the priests would carry this, and they went before the people. In other words, it's important for us when we are moving forward in life and moving into a new chapter to make sure we're moving with God, that we're following his presence and his plan. Man has his plans, but God has an ultimate plan that we want to follow. Henry Blackaby, a number of years ago, wrote the book Experiencing God, and this is what he said in summary. He said, find out what God is blessing and go to it. Because most of the time, we grew up with the idea, okay, here, Lord, here's my list. Here's my list of things I want you to bless. Blackaby said, no, 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 no. If you want to experience God, go find out where God's moving and be a part of it. And let God bring you into a place of real blessing because that's what he's doing. And so the people of God are to follow the presence of God. Why do we gather this morning? We want to experience the dynamic presence of God but may I tell you that when you leave this place the presence of God doesn't stay here That's right. he moves with you yeah. okay. and we need to recognize that it's not just at the church service or it's not just when they're singing the right song on Caleb it is the presence of God is with us at all times and we want to move where God is moving we want to follow him we want to get on board we want to listen to what he's saying I don't want to miss what God is doing amen I want to to be with him. Look at verse four. Then you will know which way to go. So if I'm following God's presence and his plan and his his work in my life, and I'm giving him room, and I want to find out where is God moving, and I want to be a part of that, uh, he says you will know which way to go. Uh, Since you have never, listen to this, this is a great statement right here. Since you have never been this way before. Why? Because it's a new normal. It's not what you used to do. It's something, but keep a distance of about two thousand cubits. That if that if that's uh, ten football fields. That that's a thousand yards. That's just a little over a half a mile. So I'll give you some context to this: two cubits two, or two thousand cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. In other words. A deep reverence for God in your life will take you places you didn't think you would go. And you follow his lead. The interesting thing about following the Lord is you don't always know the details. And you would like to know all the details. You would like to know all the, the uh, aspects. But it's a matter of a, a trusting factor where you know that God is going before you. So listen, you don't want to leave this room today. You don't want to go back to your marriage, back to your work, back to your, your uh, experiences of responsibility without the presence of God. You want to follow him. And you say, well, I've never really done that before. I want to encourage you to make this the day that you say, I'm going to follow God's lead. I want to go where he's blessing. Why would I want to move or relocate to something that God is not blessing? I want to do that. I follow his lead. And he says, because you've never been this way before. <laughs> One of our team members, uh, Lee McCloud, who spoke a, a, a couple of m- months ago here at the church, uh, he and I have traveled the state of Oregon. He takes me places I've never been before, and he always has explanation. And I'm always I say, if you want to know Oregon, go with Lee McLeod, because he knows he know he's been there before. He's been hunting in this place, or he's traveled here, or he's climbed this mountain, uh, and I, I want to be with somebody who knows where they're going. If I go overseas to another country. I want to be with somebody who knows where they're going. You don't, you don't want to go with me by myself. I want a guide. I want a guide. I want to go with God because he knows where we're going. God knew I would be here today, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. He knew where I would be today when I was in my mother's womb. He even knew that, uh, that I would be here today, even though I lived for the early years of my life in Umatilla, Oregon. Cause people from Umatilla don't move to Portland <laughs> and people from Portland don't move to Umatilla, but God already knew. God knew you would be here. God knew you would be here. And so this stepping into this new season, this new place, we're asking God to help us. We're stepping into a new experience. I'm kind of excited about it myself. I believe God's leading Portland Christian center. I believe God's working at this time and we're ready. We're ready for what he's got in store for us. Uh, so that—that's the adventure continues. But let's talk about the actions clarified, because what does all this mean? I, you know, it's more than history. It's more than history. So we go back to verse five of chapter three, a key verse. Joshua told the people, "Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you." What does consecration look like? Uh, Joy and I were at a wedding just a week ago. And uh, I've done hundreds of weddings, but uh, I was just an observer, and it was quite enjoyable as we sat and saw uh, two of our young pastors, uh, two youth pastors, uh, come together in marriage, and uh, we were listening. And I thought that the minister who uh, led the service did a great job because he said, This is not just a commitment that they're making, Sarah and and, uh, Brogan. They're not just making a commitment. They're consecrating themselves. I thought, wow, that's not a word that we use a lot. What does consecration mean? I'm going to give you four words that describe what it calls us to do. Consecration, to bring clarification. The first is it's calling for dedication. Dedication. So when we think in terms of consecration, it is a dedication. Look at verse verse, uh, number uh, five again. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. Everybody say consecrate consecrate yourself it means dedication the key word it means to be set apart set apart dedicated now here's the key when he says consecrate yourself it's dedicating yourself to God's holy purpose now there's an unholy spirit in the world today if you haven't noticed but there is also a holy spirit and the Holy Spirit leads you to a holy purpose whether you preach a sermon, teach a Sunday school class, work in the nursery—we need help there, by the way—or you uh, you uh, serve on the front line in, in the fire department or at the hospital, or you teach a class in school or whatever it might be, you are there for a holy purpose. You can coach. Do you know you could coach a football team and be there in a holy purpose? Do you know that you could be doing people's taxes and? a holy purpose. Some of you didn't know that, but you could actually do somebody's taxes and have a holy purpose. I'm grateful for those who do that for me. Before the children of Israel could take another step into God's dream, he calls them to consecrate by calling them to dedicate themselves before the Lord. When you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, when you gave your heart to the Lord, you said, Lord, come into my life. And perhaps you haven't done that but before the service is over today. You can do that if you're on line watching or you're present this morning. You can actually pray with me a prayer. But when you dedicate your life to the Lord, you become a devoted follower of Christ. And yes, there is forgiveness of sin, as Pastor Rick mentioned. There, there is joy in the land, as Sarah mentioned. Uh, There are wonderful things that happen in our lives, and when you open your heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, things happen, and uh, then you become baptized in water. That's another experience to express publicly what you have done in your heart. It's to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to tell everybody. This is all part of dedication of your life. It's not that water baptism saves you. There's a theology that thinks that, but technically it's not that. It's a declaration, And then you open your life to the work of the Holy Spirit, and and God fills you with his power. And and this is the beginning of an adventure. It's not not the end. The peace with God, yes, comes. The peace of God, yes. You are a child of God, yes. There's the hope of heaven, yes. There is all of this that comes, but there is more. It is an adventure with God, and it requires dedication. Dedication. And it's amazing what God does in your life when you do that. So he says, before we go into the promised land, first of all, consecrate yourself. In other words, dedicate yourself, set yourself apart to do God's holy purpose. Amen. So when when uh, Joy and I first started ministry, we we went to a, a, a nice church in the Bay Area, in the East Bay, in Hayward, California, to be youth pastors. And um, uh, the youth group wasn't Terrific, but it, there was a group of young people and I wasn't a, a polished youth pastor, so I started out with everything I knew and um, So I'm, I'm leading the youth group and There was one kid by the name of Ron who would come and he was always disruptive He would sit in the back in his chair. He'd lean back and forth. He'd make wise cracks He'd throw spitballs at girls. He would chew gum loud. He would make inappropriate comments during the youth group and all that kind of stuff. So I did what any youth pastor would do. I prayed that he wouldn't come. <laughs> Have you ever prayed that God would just take somebody out? I'd say, Lord, make Ron sick. I mean, can you imagine this? I'm a youth pastor. I've never been a youth pastor before. I'm, I'm new at this and I don't like Ron now. So I want Ron not to come. So I did everything I could to pray that he, and I, you know, youth group went really well when Ron didn't come. So that's kind of the way, you know, and towards the end of those few years that we were there, uh, towards the end, he, he, he made some adjustments. And um, so I was grateful to see him. But uh, that was my, what was stuck in my head. Ron, I don't want you coming to youth group. You know, your parents come to the church, but I'd soon you go somewhere else. Go to the Baptist church. Go, you know, the Nazarene. Go to... Go to the Catholic Church. Go join the Mormons. Do whatever you can. Just don't come to my youth group. So I was pastoring here at Portland, um, and I got a phone call one morning, and guess who called me? It was Ron. And I'm a little on guard now, okay? Because it had been many years, uh, you know, 16 years since I had that prayer that I asked God for him not to come to church anymore. And he calls up and he said, Pastor Bill, how are you? I said, Fine, how are you, Ron? And he said, uh, I'm in town. Good. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to have lunch with you. Well, let me check my schedule. Uh, he said, I'll pay. I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> so we went down the street, and there used to be a Chinese restaurant down here on Beaverton Hillsdale Highway. They tore it down and put a uh, Chick-fil-A in there, I think. But uh, it, it, I've, I forget what, it, the Golden Dome or something like that. And you know, you walked in there and you wondered when was the last time they actually painted the place and all that. But I met Ron there and I said, Ron, what are you doing? And this is what he said. Listen, he said, I'm a pastor. I Said what I'm a pastor in the inner city of Oakland, California. Wow. I said, Ron, I wish you came to my church. I wish you were in my youth group. Wow. I discovered right there that sometimes we think people are not savable, but when they dedicate their lives to the Lord, changes come. Yeah, right. Amen. And a man, a young man who I didn't give much hope to, dedicated himself to the Lord in the privacy of his bedroom one night when he realized his life was a mess and it turned him around. Amen. And he became a pastor. Yeah. Oh, I did a little confession that day, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Proverbs 16:3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he'll establish your plan. So dedication, that's what consecration is. Let me give you another word. Anticipation. Look at verse 5 again. For tomorrow, everybody say for tomorrow. tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. Consecration engages an anticipation of faith for tomorrow, for tomorrow. I thank God for tomorrows. I thank God for tomorrows because there's, something that in, there's an anticipation that God is going to do something exciting in the future. And when I listen to the news and some of you send me stuff and I listen to it online with regards to vaccinations and I listen to all of the stuff that goes on in politics, I just say, Lord, give us a fresh tomorrow. That's the only hope we have, tomorrow. God has a greater interest in your tomorrows than you do. Here's a news flash. God's more interested in the future of Portland Christian Center than you are. God's greater interest in the Portland metro area than you and I are. And he says for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. Now I promised that in this series of messages from time to time, I would pause and give you a little history of the church based on the information that I uh, investigated many years ago. So just let me give you a little little insight because it goes with this verse so much. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things. So as we back up a number of years ago, this church was established in 1924 when my kids think I went to high school. (laughs) And really when they started the church, they, they only saw a few weeks and maybe perhaps months ahead. They did not see anything beyond that. They were just trying to survive. They were trying to, to in, in, in get together and establish something. And this all came as a result of, uh, of uh, a great Pentecostal outpouring. And what I mean by that is the church had been dormant. Now, I'm not talking about this church. The church generally across America had been dormant. And yet there had been a great spiritual awakening, a revival in the late 1800s that led us into the 1900s, and there was people who were seeking God, and young people who were reading the Bible for the first time, saying, if the book of Acts was good for then, could it be for now? And the Holy Spirit came, and we had great revival meetings and gatherings around the country and around the world simultaneously. This was before social media. So when God was pouring out his spirit in Sweden, he was pouring out his spirit here and people didn't know it wasn't like they were copying each other. God was working. And out of that came in 1924, this church, God knew what he wanted to do. And for 97 years there has been a tomorrow for, for Portland Christian center. For 54 years, for 54 years, the church was known by two names, Portland Gospel Tabernacle and Portland's First Assembly of God. They were located on the east side of the city, the other side of the Willamette. Birthed in the midst of this Pentecostal awakening, there were many miracles that took place. First building that was a miracle was 14th and Fremont, southeast. And then there was a new location that was established in about 1947. And that was the Madison 20th and Madison off of Hawthorne on the Southeast. The building is still there in the early 1970s. God stirred in the heart of the leadership at that time, a tomorrow. And they were able to see a building on this location on the Southwest part side of the city. There were actually 13 different plots of land where we're sitting today on these 13 acres. And through negotiation and the blessing of God, a tomorrow took place, and they were able to buy all of that property, and it was to expand for a new normal, a new normal. Then in 1978, October 15th, there was a caravan from the southeast side to the, this location. I still remember it. I have pictures in my mind of driving over here. And Ed, your parents were right in the front of that caravan in their white Chrysler. I still remember it. It was a new normal we walked into this place we couldn't wait I gotta tell you this story so there was a couple an older couple who lived on the east side and they wanted to come over on Saturday to kind of get a feel for the building because they you know it was a, a big deal you know those of the people who live on the east side some of you live there crossing the Willamette to come to the west side is like coming into a different country and those of us on the west side sometimes feel like that when we go to the east side that river has always created a kind of a cultural divide. So for folks to think in terms of moving to a new church facility on this side, are you with me so far? It was a big thing. It was a big thing. But I want to tell you, that generation had loyalty. They're not giving up their church just because they moved across town. They're not getting rid of me that fast. I'm following them wherever they go. That's loyalty. We don't see that as much today as we used to, but I want to just say, these folks decided on Saturday to drive over, get a feel of how to get across the Hawthorne Bridge, drive up you know, the Capitol Highway, come to the Beaverton Hillsdale, find Dosh Road. And uh, so they drove over. They drove into the parking lot. They were amazed at the building. It was bigger than they had ever dreamed it would be. They saw photos of it and pictures and drawings. And they walked in together hand in hand. And they, they were looking around. They wanted to find where their Sunday school class was because they didn't wanna miss Sunday school for their class. That was something they would never miss. They walked around, they were looking for the class, and they saw a lady, and they said, hi. They said, we're we're looking for our Sunday school class, where it's gonna be tomorrow. And the lady looked at them real strange, and she said, Sunday school. Well, this is the Jewish synagogue. (laughs) I think the place you want is that new building next door. Uh, We've been friends ever since, that's for sure. They came over. In 1987, a new normal. We changed the name from First Assembly to Portland Christian Center. And we opened a new normal. And since that time, all the way back, there have been thousands of people who have come to know the love of Jesus Christ who have been healed in their bodies. Marriages have been restored, marriages have been performed, babies have been dedicated, lives have been changed, missionaries have been sent and supported all across the world, all because there was a willingness and an anticipation for a tomorrow. Don't get stuck in what was. I only share that story to say that God is always doing something fresh and new in our lives. Don't get stuck in what was or should have been. But live in the breakthroughs of god's victory so something might be going on in your life right now and it's not very pleasant maybe you feel somewhat stuck maybe you're in that no man's land in between and you don't feel comfortable don't get stuck there let god break you through and take you through to a tomorrow and live every day with anticipation this may be the day That my son comes to know the Lord this may be the day that I'm healed this may be the day that God provides in an unusual way this may be the day when something opens up to me that I've been praying about this may be the day anticipation for tomorrow he says consecration is not only anticipation of dedication and consecration is anticipation but it also calls for submission look at verse number six Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass ahead, or pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. That is submission to leadership. That is a willingness to follow. Another word might be obey. Obey. The natural tendency for us is to resist change, resist transition, resist. An adventure because we're not sure but here it says you submit that's part of consecration you're submitting to the will of God and following his lead the 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 role I serve in as network leader wasn't something that I I campaigned for in fact some of you came to me when you heard that the superintendent uh, some years ago had resigned announced his resignation and retirement And they said, you wouldn't do that job, would you? And I said, absolutely. Who in their right mind would take that job? I don't want to do that. Pastoral staff members, can I meet with you? They came in, Pastor Bill, we're a little concerned. There's going to be a change in the network leadership and your name's floating around. Are you thinking seriously about doing this? And I said, no, I'm not seriously thinking about it. But I want to tell you something that I continue to learn and I'm still learning. Submitting to the will of God doing it God's way. And if I hadn't been awakened in the middle of the night, the night before we elect and they vote and so on from the constituency of the network, um, if I hadn't been awakened by the Lord, and and this is what the Lord said to me. And some of you know this, but I'm just going to repeat it for those who haven't heard it. God said, Bill, are you willing? I've spent most of my adult life telling people to be willing and then I have to be willing too, right? So I said to the Lord, well, sure, Lord, I'm willing. I don't want to. I don't want to go to school today, Lord. Can not I sleep in, but I'm willing if that's what you want me to do. And so the Lord and I had a conversation about that. I told Joy about it. She wasn't all that excited either, and we said yes. Sometimes God leads you into places you didn't think you could lead or be a part of until you say, I'm willing. Consecration is not only dedication, setting yourself apart. It's not only the anticipation. I wonder what God's going to do in my life now that I've surrendered my life to him and he's worked in my life. I'm so excited about what God's going to do. It's also a willingness to follow his lead. And here's what happens. When we get to that peace, sometimes we resist and we turn back. Remember when Jesus was... was, uh, have thousands of people following him and he talked about there are some standing here that are not going to follow me. And he put out the challenge to them and what did they do? They all turned around and went back. And then Jesus said, and you're still with me? And the disciples said, well, where are we going to go? We have no other place to go. They had learned a lesson that others hadn't learned. And aren't they grateful that they followed the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 128.1 Blessed are all who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to him. Submit yourself then to God, it says in James. Here's my last word. Consecration calls for celebration. Celebration. I pick up in verse 14 of Joshua. If you're there, chapter three, verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, this was at flood stage, as we'll see. The priests carried the ark of the covenant, went ahead of them about half a mile. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon, listen, as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the edge of the water. Some of you are right there right now and the Jordan doesn't look like it's possible. It seems impossible. Touch the edge of the water. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. Some say 17 miles at a town called Adam, that's interesting, in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowed down to the Sea of Arab, that is the Dead Sea, and completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho, and the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by, until the whole nation and completed the crossing on dry ground. Oh, I wish I had another couple of hours. We could park right there, but I can see in your eyes that you're not prepared for that. (laughs) So we moved here in 1977 when the Portland Trailblazers won the NBA championship. And I remember I'd never been in a town that had won a championship like that before. I mean, this town went berserk. The streets were full. Talk about riots, this is a contrast. People were overjoyed in celebration because they saw a victory. These unsung heroes, these, these, uh, these, uh, these somewhat talented but uh, awkward guys won the championship, and the city went wild, and Rip City became a common statement. And here the children of Israel cross the Jordan, and they're facing seven different nations living in the land that God said he would give to them. They were celebrating, they were walking on dry land. So let's go out and celebrate the provision of God, what he's done for us. We, we, frankly, God has done so many wonderful things in our lives and in the life of this church. Our lives should be full of celebration. So, three, four things, consecrate yourself, For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Dedication, anticipation, submission, and celebration are all part of consecration. And when you learn to live in that kind of spirit, your life can change. So when I bought this this shovel, I just thought, well, pastors need a shovel. I had no idea of the story behind the shovel. And in, in, in 1990, I put this shovel in the ground on 5700 Dosh Road. I'm the guy with the mustache and all the hair. <laughs> and we broke ground that day for the gymnasium and the children's wing. I still remember it if, if it had the, we, we had service in here. We all walked out. People gathered all around. The picture doesn't show the crowds of people that were there that day. Hundreds of people came. These leaders, and some of you can see yourself up there and you're shocked. A Couple of them, two or three of them, or four of them I can see right now that went to be with Jesus already. We put the shovel in the ground because we said, God's gonna take us into a new normal. We're gonna do something new. And this shovel hangs in my garage now. It's protected because it's gold. (laughs) And every time I see that gold shovel, I think of that day. Did we have an idea what the future would hold? Absolutely not. Did we have any idea of the stories that would be told? No, not really. We just said, Lord, we're going to consecrate ourselves to you because we think that tomorrow you're going to do amazing things. Would you welcome this morning one of my dear friends, James Pullitz, who serves on this staff. James, come on up, will you? Hey, good to see you this morning. You too, Pastor Bill. It's I've nice to fra-
1: actually be in front and yeah. not like back in a room back there. I tell everybody what you do here at Portland Christian Center. Well, I am, my title is Pastor of Technical Arts, which means nothing to most people, but I oversee our uh, audio, video, lighting team, our great team of volunteers, and uh, as well as our communications team and handle our, all our IT systems here at Portland Christian Center.
0: Your beautiful wife, Rochelle, sitting right down yes. there. I still remember the first Sunday she came to church here. Uh, I've told the story about the shovel. What does that have to do with you?
1: Well, one of the very first times or early touch points here at Portland Christian Center was uh, a basketball camp we did in that gym. It was called Victory Hoop Camp. Uh, My neighbors, they came here to Portland Christian Center. My friend, he's like, hey, you know, you should do the basketball camp with me. And so I came.
0: So when I put this shovel in the ground, I had no idea that it would impact James Pollitt's Somebody invited you to come to a basketball camp,
1: mm-hmm. and you loved basketball. I did. Yeah. I like watching it now, but uh, <laughs> not very good. Um, what, what
0: happened at that camp that, that would cause you to s- rethink
1: your life? Well, you know, there we had some amazing coaches and and team members uh, who were helping teach us these basketball skills, and I had a great time. It was just a great environment. I mean, we they did little devotion moments, but um, more than anything, at that time was just knowing this was a place that was it was a good place. Um, I didn't you know come to church right away. It wasn't you know didn't make like huge part of my life at the moment, but. It was a moment that planted seeds that uh, later in life when I would, I need it uh, or was seeking the Lord, I remember Portland Christian Center.
0: So somehow in our planning and thinking about a new normal for Portland Christian Center at that time, because it was a very strategic change in how we operated and what we expected. We didn't know you, but there were hundreds of uh, youth like yourself who now are adults and fully engaged in life and it was a tool that God gave us when we uh, looked to the tomorrow. And this gold shovel went into that hard, rocky ground. I remember it; it was tough, tough sledding. So many miracles and wonders. Where, where did that lead you? That touch point led you to return?
1: Yeah. So uh, in like my freshman year of high school, uh, my parents had gotten divorced, and I just felt like. I wanted to start going to church, which, you know, what freshman in high school just wants to do that on their own, right? No, that was the Lord drawing me. I know that now. And this Portland Christian Center was the place my family knew. It was a place my mom knew, and we come to other, other things, other touch points throughout the years, like at concerts or Easter, passion play, things like that. So it's like, well, we'll, we'll check this out. And then uh, because of that, you know, started coming on Sundays. And then there were youth activities and my mom's like, well, you might want to check that out. I said, okay, sure. And then, uh, my freshman year in April, I gave my heart to the Lord in the youth group down, down right over there. (laughs) So not not only that, I met my wife down there, which, you know, she, she claimed me, she says, which is totally true. Uh, and I'm so thankful. (laughs) But, um, but then, you know, I felt called to ministry here in the chapel on a prayer night. Um, We, my wife and I, got married right here, Pastor Bill. You married us. We've dedicated our children, all three of our children, here at Portland Christian Center. During cancer or miscarriages, this body has been life. This church, the relationship's here because many of you, you know, we're here and, and being the body of Christ, it's made all the difference in our lives. And maybe it just started with, with that shovel.
0: You went on to college, prepared yourself. Here you are serving, doing a great job, especially who would have thought that during the pandemic we'd have to up all of the responsibilities of technology. So people are watching this morning You do a great job. I've watched when I'm not here. And the quality, you're always available. You've uh, been a great help to Pastor Ray, I know in the past, and certainly a help to us. And it all started because we consecrated ourselves because tomorrow the Lord's gonna do amazing things. You're part of that amazing thing. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder what God's got for us tomorrow. Many more great things. Why don't you lead us in prayer? And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, James will lead you in this prayer, and just follow along. Pray the same words. And uh, let this be the beginning of a new chapter in your life. Consecrate yourself to the Lord. Dedicate, anticipate, submit or obey, and let's celebrate. Let's, Let's
1: pray together. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. Much like us taking that that step here, Portland Christian Center with a shovel in the ground, you did that for us by sending Jesus to this earth. Not only sending Jesus to this earth, but to the cross to die, to take on our sins, our shortcomings, and pay the price for them. To make a way for us to have a relationship with you. And as Jesus rose from the dead, conquered death, you have victory for us. So today, Lord, we pray this prayer together. Some of us for the first time, some of us for the millionth time, as each and every day we come back to you asking you to be our Lord and Savior as we need you each and every day. So Lord, we give you our lives. Take our lives and have your way. We, we come to you and lay ourselves down, dedicating ourselves, consecrating ourselves to you, recognizing you as the Lord and Savior over all things. We ask God for your forgiveness and we accept it, that free gift that you gave for us. And Lord, we rejoice in that freedom from sin, And we rejoice in the relationship that we are able to have with you because of it. So today we give you our lives. We ask that you would have your way, Lord, that the plans that you have for us would be established. And Lord, we celebrate the victories today that are in Jesus and the victories that will come from following after you and consecrating ourselves to you. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at
1: live.pcctoday.com.